0: Phase One, Chapter Eleven of Tess of the Durbervilles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. The Twain cantered along for some time without speech. Tess, she clung to him, still panting in her triumph. Yet another respect's dubious. She had perceived that the horse was not the spirited one he sometimes rode, and felt no alarm on that score. Though her seat was precarious enough despite her tight hold of him, she begged him to slow the animal to a walk, which Alec accordingly did. Neatly done, was it not, dear Tess? he said by and by. Yes, said she. I am sure I ought to be much obliged to you. And are you? She did not reply. Tess, why do you always dislike my kissing you? I suppose "'Because I don't love you.' "'You are quite sure?' "'I'm angry with you sometimes.' "'Ah, I half feared as much.' Nevertheless, Alec did not object to that confession. He knew that anything was better than frigidity. "'Why haven't you told me when I have made you angry?' "'You know very well why, because I cannot help myself here.' "'I haven't offended you often by love-making.' "'You have sometimes.' "'How many times?' "'You know as well as I. Too many times.' "'Every time I've tried.' She was silent, and the horse ambled along for a considerable distance, till the faint luminous fog, which had hung in the hollows all the evening, became general and enveloped them. It seemed to hold the moonlight in suspension, rendering it more pervasive than in clear air. Whether on this account, or from absent-mindedness, or from sleepiness, she did not perceive that they had long ago passed the point at which the lane to Trantridge branched from the highway, and that her conductor had not taken the Trantridge track. She was inexpressibly weary. She had risen at five o'clock every morning of that week, had begun on foot the whole of each day, and on this evening had, in addition, walked the three miles to Chaseborough, waited three hours for her neighbours without eating or drinking, her impatience to start them preventing either. She had then walked a mile of the way home, and had undergone the excitement of the quarrel, till, with the slow progress of their steed, it was now nearly one o'clock. Only once, however, was she overcome by actual drowsiness. In that moment of oblivion her head sank gently against him. D'Uberville stopped the horse, withdrew his feet from the stirrups, "'turned sideways on the saddle, and enclosed her waist with his arm to support her. "'This immediately put her on the defensive, "'and with one of those sudden impulses of reprisal to which she was liable, "'she gave him a little push from her. "'In his ticklish position he nearly lost his balance, "'and only just avoided rolling over into the road, "'the horse, though a powerful one, being fortunately the quietest he rode. "'That is devilish unkind,' he said. "'I meant no harm, only to keep you from falling.' She pondered suspiciously, till, thinking that this might, after all, be true, she relented and said quite humbly, "'I beg your pardon, sir?' "'I won't pardon you unless you show some confidence in me. Good God!' he burst out. "'What am I to be repulsed so by a mere chit like you? For near three mortal months have you trifled with my feelings, eluded me, and stabbed me, and I won't stand it. "'I leave you to-morrow, sir.' no you will not leave me to-morrow will you i ask you once more show your belief in me by letting me clasp you with my arm come between us two and nobody else now we know each other well and you know that i love you and think you are the prettiest girl in the world which you are mayn't i treat you as a lover she drew a quick pettish breath of objection writhing uneasily on her seat looking far ahead and murmured i don't know i wish "'How can I say yes or no, when—' He settled the matter by clasping his arm round her as he desired, and Tess expressed no further negative. Thus they sidled slowly onward, till it struck her they had been advancing for an unconscionable time, far longer than was usually occupied by the short journey from Chaseborough, even at this walking pace, and that they were no longer on hard road but in a mere trackway. "'Why, where be we?' she exclaimed passing by a wood. A wood? What wood? Surely we are quite out of the road. A bit of the chase, the oldest wood in England. It is a lovely night, and why should we not prolong our ride a little? How could you be so treacherous? said Tess, between archness and real dismay, and getting rid of his arm by pulling open his fingers one by one, though at the risk of slipping off herself. "'just when I've been putting such trust in you "'and obliging you to please you, "'because I thought I had wronged you by that push. "'Please set me down and let me walk home.' "'You cannot walk home, darling, "'even if the air were clear. "'We are miles away from Trantridge, if I must tell you, "'and in this growing fog "'you might wander for hours among these trees.' "'Never mind that,' she coaxed. "'Put me down, I beg you. "'I don't mind where it is. "'Only let me get down, sir, please.' very well then i will on one condition having brought you here to this out-of-the-way place i feel myself responsible for your safe-conduct home whatever you may yourself feel about it as to your getting to Trantridge without assistance it is quite impossible for to tell the truth dear owing to this fog which so disguises everything i don't quite know where we are myself now if you will promise to wait beside the horse while I walk through the bushes till I come to some road or house and ascertain exactly our whereabouts I'll deposit you here willingly when I come back I'll give you full directions and if you insist upon walking you may or you may ride at your pleasure she accepted these terms and slid off on the near side though not till he had stolen a cursory kiss he sprang down on the other side "'I suppose I must hold the horse,' said she. "'Oh, no, it's not necessary,' replied Alec, patting the panting creature. "'He's had enough of it for to-night.' He turned the horse's head into the bushes, hitched him on to a bough, and made a sort of couch or nest for her in the deep mass of dead leaves. "'Now you sit there,' he said. "'The leaves have not got damp as yet. "'Just give a to the horse. "'It will be quite sufficient.' He took a few steps away from her, but, returning, said, "'By the bye, Tess, your father has a new cob today. Somebody gave it to him.' "'Somebody? You?' D'Urberville nodded. "'Oh, how very good of you that is!' she exclaimed, with a painful sense of the awkwardness of having to thank him just then. "'And the children have some toys.' "'I didn't know—' "'You ever sent them anything?' she murmured, much moved. "'I almost wish you had not. Yes, I almost wish it. "'Why, dear, it hampers me so. "'Tessie, don't you love me ever so little now?' "'I'm grateful,' she reluctantly admitted. "'But I fear I do not.' The sudden vision of his passion for herself was a factor in this result. So distressed her that, beginning with one slow tear and then following with another, she wept outright. "'Don't cry, dear, dear one. Now sit down here and wait till I come.' She passively sat down amid the leaves he had heaped and shivered slightly. "'Are you cold?' he asked. "'Not very. A little.' He touched her with his fingers, which sank into her as into down. "'You have only that puffy muslin dress on. How's that?' "'It's my best summer one. "'It was very warm when I started, "'and I didn't know I was going to ride "'and that it would be night. "'Nights grow chilly in September. "'Let me see.' He pulled off a light overcoat that he had worn "'and put it round her tenderly. "'That's it. "'Now you'll feel warmer,' he continued. "'Now, my pretty, rest there. "'I shall soon be back again.' Having buttoned the overcoat round her shoulders, he plunged into the webs of vapour, which by this time formed veils between the trees. She could hear the rustling of the branches as he ascended the adjoining slope, till his movements were no louder than the hopping of a bird and finally died away. With the setting of the moon and the pale light lessened, and Tess became invisible as she fell into reverie upon the leaves where he had left her, In the meantime, Alec D'Urberville had pushed on up the slope, to clear his genuine doubt as to the quarter of the chase they were in. He had, in fact, ridden quite at random for over an hour, taking any turning that came to hand in order to prolong companionship with her, and giving far more attention to Tess's moonlit person than to any wayside object. A little rest for the jaded animal being desirable. He did not hasten his search for landmarks. A clamber over the hill into the adjoining vale brought him to the fence of a highway whose contours he recognized, which settled the question of their whereabouts. D'Urberville thereupon turned back. But by this time the moon had quite gone down, and partly on account of the fog, the chase was wrapped in thick darkness, although morning was not far off. He was obliged to advance with outstretched hands to avoid contact with the boughs, and discovered— that hit the exact spot from which he had started was at first entirely beyond him. Roaming up and down, round and round, he at length heard a slight movement of the horse close at hand, and the sleeve of his overcoat unexpectedly caught his foot. "'Tess,' said D'urberville. There was no answer. The obscurity was now so great that he could see absolutely nothing but a pale nebulousness at his feet which represented the white muslin figure he had left upon the dead leaves. Everything else was blackness alike. D'Urberville stooped, and heard a gentle, regular breathing. He knelt and bent lower, till her breath warmed his face, and in a moment his cheek was in contact with hers. She was sleeping soundly, and upon her eyelashes there lingered tears. Darkness and silence ruled everywhere around. Above them rose the primeval yews and oaks of the chase, in which were poised gentle roosting birds in their last nap, and about them stole the hopping rabbits and hares. But, might some say, where was Tess's guardian angel? Where was the providence of her simple faith? Perhaps, like that other god of whom the ironical Tishbite spoke, he was talking, or he was pursuing. Or he was in a journey, or he was sleeping and not to be awaked. Why was it that upon this beautiful feminine tissue, sensitive as gossamer and practically blank as snow as yet, there should have been traced such a coarse pattern as it was doomed to receive? Why so often the coarse appropriates the finer thus, the wrong man, the woman, the wrong woman, the man, many thousand years of analytical philosophy, have failed to explain to our sense of order one may indeed admit the possibility of a retribution lurking in the present catastrophe doubtless some of tess d'urberville's mailed ancestors rollicking home from a fray had dealt the same measure even more ruthlessly towards peasant girls of their time but though to visit the sins of the fathers upon the children may be a morality good enough for divinities it is scorned by average human nature, and it therefore does not mend the matter. As Tess's own people down in those retreats are never tired of saying among each other in their fatalistic way, It was to be. There lay the pity of it. An immeasurable social chasm was to divide our heroine's personality thereafter from that previous self of hers, who stepped from her mother's door, to try her fortune at Trantridge Poultry Farm. End of Chapter Eleven. End of Phase the First.